Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm Bobby Sylvester, joined as always by Mike Tagliere. It's the last week of buys tags, and frankly, the teams that are missing... We're not going to really miss it much in the fantasy world. I'm looking forward to it, man. Yeah, no, it's definitely one of those weeks. And it's it's sad for me because, you know, writing the primer every week, I look forward to when we have teams on bye weeks. So knowing that that's over, it's just going to create a couple more thousand words that I have to write <laughs> a week. Um, but I'm in a really good mood, Bobby. So I didn't even tell you before we came on. On Twitter, I read right before we started recording. So there was two quotes that came out. One was Blake Bortles. And they Blake Bortles was asked if he had any, any advice for Deshaun Kaiser. He said, try to throw it to your team as much as possible. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, that is amazing. And the, yeah. And, the, and then Bears head coach, John Fox, who I don't even want to talk about, but he, on, they asked him about Tariq Cohen and why Tariq Cohen hasn't been playing a lot. His answer was, there's only one ball. <laughs> I, I, I don't I have nothing for John Fox anymore. This is kind of the end of the road for me. He might be trying to get fired. I mean, who wants to live in Chicago anyway, Tags? I mean, I don't know if he gets hired as a head coach. He's like he's very he's very Jeff Fisher esque as a yes. head coach. And I don't think yeah. people realize this. So he won with Tim Tebow. Well, I mean, he won with a dominant defense, but that but that's yeah. besides the point. I mean, without without Peyton Manning, though, without Peyton Manning, John Fox, I want to say he's like 20 games below 500 as a head coach. So he's he might not even be Jeff Fisher. He might be worse than that. So today we're going to be talking start sit. We'll have our start of the week at quarterback, running back, wide receiver and tight end. Then our bust of the week at each position. And at the end of our episode, we're each going to make one bold prediction. And here to join us for all this is Brandon Marianne Lee. She's radio host for SiriusXM Fantasy and co-founder of HerFantasyFootball.com. Brandon, thanks for joining us. Hello, hello. I also do videos for Fantasy Alarm. I got to give Fantasy Alarm a shout out too. There you go. She's a busy lady. I know that. So Brandon, you were talking before we got on this show about how your sister wants to get rid of the tight end position. I'm totally on board with that. Yeah, Courtney Kirby. So uh, I do the Her Fantasy Football podcast with my two sisters. They're my real sisters. People always ask me that. I find that so bizarre. Like, why would I lie about that? <laughs> I mean, it's just a bizarre <laughs> lie. But hey, you know, um, yes, she she always says that 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 if people want to get rid of kickers, that's cool. But then we also are going to get rid of tight ends because technically tight ends are less predictive than kickers. Kickers are actually more predictive than you think. It's just no one wants to put in the effort. But yeah, yeah. yeah you know, and and I think she has a point because man, there's like the top three and then everybody else. It's just a dart throw. And and what fun it's is a that? Complete crapshoot. Yeah. It's just a touchdown or bust for all these guys. And Tags, I think, had the idea. Maybe it was me. I don't even remember. But <laughs> with, with draft.com, the way they do it, is you just have wide receiver slash tight end. So um, you can play whatever those guys. And I say get rid of tight end, add another flex. Well, I think the real question this week would be how high would Travis Kelsey go? Like, I mean, how many wide receivers would you rather have this week than Travis Kelsey versus the New York Giants who have allowed a tight end touchdown in every single game? Probably I not. will tell you one, one <laughs> Antonio Brown against Tennessee. And that's it. I'm not I'm not Mike joking. Evans. Mike Evans, I would take over him, but uh, you're right. It's a Miami very small has a list. good defense, man. Oh, get Miami is like the worst defense in the league. Like, did you watch Monday night's game? Because that oh, was that brutal. Was horrible. Like, like, if we're going to base it on that game. Well, Xavier Howard is not a very good cornerback. Uh, Cordray Tankersley, a rookie, not playing very well. TJ McDonald, their, their safety that they got back from suspension. There's miscommunications all over the place. Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to straight degaff it all week. Like, seriously, Mike Evans is uh, he's the number two wide receiver play. And um, being that I know we're doing the DFS show tomorrow, but uh, Antonio Brown's not on the main slate. That really 
really sucks yeah. because Antonio Brown is about to go off on Thursday night. Yeah, I'm the second worried. most expensive receiver is like 7,500. Sorry. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I actually was going to say, I'm, I'm a little worried this is going to be, though, the game that we were excited about last week, the Jets versus the Tampa Bay Bucks, and it's going to be a little bit of a dud because maybe this – you know, DGAF kind of attitude with both Cutler and Fitzgerald is going to end up canceling itself out, kind of like McCown and Fitzgerald, where it was like the journeymen matchup. I, I'm a little <laughs> yeah. worried that we're going to get duped by this one. It was like 20 mile per hour winds last week, though, too. Um, it was just a horrible weather condition to play in. But yeah, I know what you're saying. It was it was an ugly game. Ew. Well, no, it's going to be fun. I think that game's going to be fun. Like Devontae Parker is like five inches taller than any of the uh, Bucks cornerbacks. So Jay Cutler should toss it up to him. And Fitzpatrick didn't have Mike Evans last week. He didn't have a possession receiver. Um, you know, Chris Godwin is a rookie. He hadn't played much. Uh, Deshaun Jackson isn't yeah Deshaun Jackson isn't meant to be a number one receiver he's not meant to see you know 10 targets a game Cameron Brait you know I talked about him the demise of the tight end position under Ryan Fitzpatrick and how it does negatively affect them but yeah this game it could be what everybody kind of wanted the Josh McCown Ryan Fitzpatrick game to be I think this game it could actually be that where it's like just two quarterbacks that straight up just don't care and they're willing to throw it up to their number one wide receivers I just think it could be a very fun game So I was planning on cutting right to the chase this week because there just wasn't much in the way of news. But now we're hearing that the playoff contending Buffalo Bills are benching their quarterback who, you know, leads all quarterbacks in NFL history in interception rate. What is going on here? Brandon, you want to do you want to do you want to take this one? Well, I don't want to ruin one of my bold predictions, but I still think Tyrod Taylor is going to be the highest scoring quarterback in week 11 for the Buffalo Bills. So how's that? I think this is just dumb, dumb, dumber. And uh, I, I have to be honest with you. Sean McDermott, I have thought has been crazy this whole season and they keep winning. So, you know, he has proven me wrong over and over again. I, he obviously is a great coach. I think, you know, he is definitely in the running, in my opinion, for coach of the year. Uh, but this is a bizarre move. I don't enjoy this whatsoever. And by the way, um, was he the defense that decided that Drew Brees could just do whatever they wanted last week? That they could run everywhere they wanted? That they could do whatever they wanted? I don't understand what Tyrod Taylor had to do with that. And I understood he couldn't move the ball either. I don't want to also say that Tyrod Taylor was decent last week. He was not. But if you look at his body of work, I think the problem is the Buffalo Bills have been – they've had contempt for him. For a year. And I yeah. don't know yep. why. It's like they they just do not like him. There's just something about him that is not working. And I actually tweeted in all caps, John Elway, you have to get Kirk Cousins or Tyrod Taylor. End of discussion. <laughs> this is your move. Oh, my God. Sincerely, your biggest fan. But seriously, one of these guys is going to be a Denver Bronco next year. No problem. I Tyrod Taylor's you know I've been a big fan of his I don't think I'm not going to sit here and pretend that he's an elite quarterback in the NFL but he is absolutely more than competent he's supposed to be what the Bills wanted the quarterback position to be they wanted someone to take care of the ball they wanted to play good defense McDermott being a a former defensive coordinator a defensive mind this is a bunch of crap is what this is The, the trade at the trade deadline that they made for Kelvin Benjamin made zero sense getting rid of Sammy Watkins made zero sense Letting Robert Woods walk in free agency made zero sense. Yeah. Benching T- Tyrod Taylor in week 17 last week, last year, made zero sense. Tyrod Taylor through the year has thrown three interceptions. You mean to tell me that he's the problem, that your defense 
that that ever since your bye, the four games that you've played on defense has allowed 27 points or more. Your defense, Sean McDermott, is the problem. Nathan Peterman is not going to fix that. Your offensive line is a problem. They've allowed Tyrod Taylor to be sacked the second most in the entire NFL. Granted, not all sacks are on the offensive line, but the fact that he's being pressured continually, this hurts LaShawn McCoy because LaShawn McCoy benefited from having a mobile quarterback that maybe a linebacker would be set to spy on the quarterback. That benefits a running back. Every every running back benefits from that stuff. I could go on a rant. Tyrod Taylor should not be benched. This is a joke, but the Bills organization has been kind of a joke, and I don't I don't mean anything towards the fans of your fan base, but your team, the way they're running their team is a joke. But they keep yeah. winning. They keep winning. And I don't understand that. And that's why I'm saying, like, I think he does these crazy things and then they win. So I just wonder if I, I guess I'm going to I'm going to wait. But I, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they win this game. You know what I'm saying? Well, they've been blown out the last the last two weeks. They've been blown, oh, out, blown out by the Jets yeah. and the Saints. Now, well, they didn't have Marcel Darius. What are they supposed to do without him? And they have nobody to defend the run anymore. They traded one of their best players. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They traded him too. That was another stupid move. Evan Silva tweeted out some props to Evan. He said, if only we can go back to the trade deadline and maybe they, the Bills can trade Tyrod Taylor for Marcel Darius to Jacksonville. Oh, oh wait. man. <laughs> yes, that would be that would have been was, so it, great. By the way, if we're going to judge an offense based on how they do against the Saints, I think pretty much every quarterback this year should be benched. Yeah, the Saints are not the defense that they used to be. They're not a they're not one to necessarily target. Um, I think they've been playing a little over their head, which it is what it is. You know, it's in the primer. I talk about it a little bit, but the whole Tyrod issue just got it got me upset because it's like, you know, Tyrod's not the greatest of all time, but he didn't deserve to get benched. They were just looking for a scapegoat to fix their defensive struggles. And and he was the one. Well, and we live in a world where the New Orleans Saints and the Jacksonville Jaguars are the two scariest defenses. I mean, what? where are we? What is this? Well, I mean. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> 2017 just is like, whoop, flip it on its head. It's like, whoop. There it is. The Rams are the Rams are right up there too. All of a sudden, yep. The Seahawks, the the Giants, the Broncos, those defenses are not all of a sudden that scary. Texans so, are yeah, like the a... easiest team to pass on in the world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. where are it's, we? It's, yeah, we're in the twilight Let's zone. Let's remember this are. when we're looking at strength of schedule next year in the preseason, right? Thank you. Oh my God, there's nothing that drives me more crazy than that. But I won't. I won't go. The only there. strength of schedule, the only strength of schedule that matters is what I did with wide receivers this off season, and I went through this the, the cornerback schedule and talked about. About which wide receivers would be seeing the most top tier cornerbacks because top tier corners, unless they get hurt, they're still going to be top tier and they're still going to cover that receiver. And that's why we've seen Des Bryant struggle through a majority of the season. He's had a brutal schedule and, it, and that stuff does matter. But yeah. in terms of run defenses and all that, yeah, you're, you're right. Strength of schedule has very, very little value. Okay, so let's move on to the start sit segment and we're going to begin at quarterback with our start of the week. This is someone who's not an obvious start, so no Russell Wilson or anything like that. Uh, Brandon, you can go first. Who's your start of the week at quarterback? back. Mm, well, uh, you know, a lot of us are in a bad way because we play in two quarterback leagues with 14 other people and we're sitting there going, hmm, do I play this person to, because maybe their starter gets benched? We've all been there, people. We've all been there. I yeah. lost Aaron Rodgers in a lot of two quarterback leagues because I like to go quarterback early in those leagues. And usually that works out great. This year it was like, ah! um, I think Blaine Gabbard at Houston is just like a must start. I, I, I maybe even in one quarterback leagues, to be entirely frank. Houston, as you said, is a disaster zone, letting guys like Beathard and Fitzpatrick post 17 or more fantasy points. Uh, in fact, they've allowed 300 yards in five games this season and in all 300 or more passing yards, I should say. And then they've also done that in all three of their last three games played after their bye. And then Arizona's just as bad. So they're going to have to maybe go back and forth, uh, you know, on their defensive side. So as far as I'm concerned, I 
I, I don't see how this doesn't end up being a bit of a shootout. And by the way, you know, Gabbert actually completed 61.2% of his pass attempts during the preseason. He's not a flashy guy, but he's super cheap on FanDuel and DraftKings, owning only 1% of Yahoo leagues. Like, I don't know. I think he could do a lot worse. Yep. Uh, this is really bold. He's ECR number 23. For those of you listening at home, ECR means expert consensus ranking. So 110 experts come together, give us their rankings, and he is on average number 23. I've got him all the way up at number 16. I would consider streaming starting him this week. It's not the worst idea. Like, I'll say that. Like, so looking at the Texans defense, if you go back to actually, Brandon, you said after the bye week, I'd go back to week five when they played Alex Smith and they they lost J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless that game. Ever since that game, listen to this, Alex Smith, three touchdowns, uh, Russell Wilson, four touchdowns, Jacoby Brissett, two touchdowns, Jared Goff, three touchdowns. The only quarterback who failed to throw multiple touchdowns against them was Kevin Hogan, the Browns like starter. My only concern here. So this is my concern. You know, when we talk about these games and we're like the only person except for Kevin Hogan. I mean, are we really going to count that game? I feel like Blaine Gabbert belongs in that conversation where it wouldn't surprise me, you know, where it's like we're talking about all these quarterbacks that have done well. And then we're like, well, Blaine Gabbert didn't. But, you know, he's Blaine Gabbert. So I, I do believe that he's a strong start in two QB leagues. Uh, Houston stops the run extremely well. Um, they've only allowed one rushing touchdown this season. We talked about it. We talked about that last week with Todd Gurley and that he wasn't a great start. But going to this week, I have no issue with Gabbard. If you're playing in two quarterback leagues, it might be a little much to play him in one quarterback leagues because there's probably quarterbacks in, in the waivers right now that I'd rather start. Ooh. But I don't think it's the worst call. I mean, Marcus Mariota hit waivers in a lot of my leagues, a lot of my one quarterback leagues, because nobody holds on to two quarterbacks anymore. And Mariota was playing pretty bad for a long time. He's actually him and Ben Roethlisberger are my I'd, I'd say that they're both my starts of the week and they're, they're playing in the same game. Um, they're both available in like 30 percent of leagues, though. I wouldn't play Mariota versus that tough Pittsburgh D over Andy's hurt. Gabbert. And I know that's crazy, but and he's hurt. I just he has not been the same player. And Pittsburgh is legit. Well, Pittsburgh has been legit, but here's my argument for this. Pittsburgh not only has started to show their true colors over the last couple weeks, because if you go over the first seven weeks of their schedule, they were not playing very good opponents. And you look, so Matthew Stafford, 423 yards. He didn't throw a touchdown, but 423 yards. Jacoby Brissett last week beat him deep twice, 222 yards, two touchdowns. You know, the thing that was missing with Mariota, and I was one that was kind of poo-pooing on on Marcus Mariota this offseason, saying that there was no way he can keep his touchdown rate what it was in 2006. But we saw him run for 51 yards last week, which tells me he's healthy. His hamstring is good. I know the shoulder thing that they brought that up, but he's practicing. He's going to be fine. But the the real key, the cog in the machine that they went out and got this offseason was Corey Davis. Mariota's game could have looked even better than the 17.7 points he scored against Cincinnati last week had Corey Davis's reception been ruled a touchdown instead of a touchback. It was that weird thing where he reached for the pylon, the ball came out of his hand, and they ruled it a touchback. Yeah. If that was a touchdown, this would look a whole lot different. Mark Mariota would be coming off of a 20. 20- to 23 point game that's massive right and the Steelers here's the thing we know in Heinz Field what the Steelers are going to do that's why Ben Roethlisberger is a must play but so game script wise this is not one where Tennessee is going to be able to just sit there on the ball and run the ball it's not like they've been able to run the ball this season Pittsburgh's pass rush has been pretty good but I think Tennessee's offensive line can withstand that knowing that he's got Corey Davis knowing that he's got Richard Matthews Eric Decker is what Eric Decker is I wish they would have stuck with Taewon Taylor and kind of just like played let him play the slot this year uh Delaney Walker is apparently going to play through his injury so it's just game script here I just feel like Marcus Mariota is being overlooked by a lot of people and I have him as a low-end QB one this I'm week. afraid of Big Ben man I'm looking at it his last two home games seven points 
16 points. He hasn't been any yep. better at home than on the road. On the well, road, he's not wait, doing anything whoa, either. Yep. 25 passes, 24 passes, 31, 31. On the road, we know. Hold on, wait, hold on a second, hold on a second. So wait, the, the last two road games, I want you to tell me who, the, like the last two home games, and granted, and so 15 points isn't bad, but the other one, Let's okay, talk about Jack, who that yeah, was. was. That was Jacksonville. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was Jacksonville. We're not going to judge any quarterback. He threw 55 passes and got seven points, man. Yeah, no, he had five interceptions that game. That was, uh, I remember that game very, very well because it was just, I benched Jacksonville's defense thinking, <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it, but, but basically, but you know, going back home to play against the Titans secondary, this, this is the reason that Andy Dalton was a streamer last week and he threw two touchdowns like the, and he, that's the thing. Andy Dalton has so much offensive line problems. Tennessee is not generating a pass rush. They stopped the run. I just feel like if Le'Veon Bell goes off in this game, it's going to be because he's caught. He caught passes doing it. Juju Smith-Schuster, Martavis Bryant's back. They're getting him involved. Like there's so much. I love this Thursday night game, and I really hope it brings all the fireworks that I'm kind of expecting. There have been three games this year where Ben Roethlisberger should have just shredded the defense. Cleveland, Indianapolis, Kansas City. He's averaging 15 points in those games. Tags. He hasn't done anything all they season. Were all on, they, they, Han, Han, they were all on the road. You're talking about all road games. Those were all on the road. Okay. Well, I mean, even still. I, and against Indy, he he did have 18 fantasy points, 17.9. So it's not like that was a terrible game, but it, was, it wasn't a game that I think any, anybody would have expected. But I would be willing to bet large funds this week that Roethlisberger puts up 20 points. Okay. I think our problem is he hasn't put up 20 points all season. He right, just has right, the lowest ceiling I've ever seen from him his entire career. I could see him putting up 15 to 17, but like to me, that's not a must start. That's like a, you know, oh, I'm monkering, you know? <laughs> you know? I think that's a little bit more how I feel about Big Ben is like, oh, okay. Well, this, this also comes down to Tennessee's defense where Tennessee's secondary is yeah. among the worst in football, if not the worst in football. So I just don't, they don't have an answer for Antonio Brown. They Here's don't. my guy. Okay. Hopefully he goes back to Antonio. Oof. There are just six quarterbacks with at least 16 fantasy points in each of their last three games. By the way, Big Ben hasn't done that three times all year. <laughs> Tom Brady, Carson Wentz, Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff, and Blake Bortles. Yep. I know he had the two terrible interceptions last week, but he's been playing confident football, throwing a ton of passes. They play the Browns who shut down the run, and they're miserable against the pass. I mean, it's not like we're talking about someone who hasn't had fantasy success in the past, like a Tom Savage or something. We're talking about someone who's been a top 10 fantasy quarterback each of the past two seasons. Yeah, I'm starting against the Browns. I um I remember when Bobby it was uh it was exactly it was week seven. Uh, I brought up Blake Bortles as a streaming quarterback against the Colts and Bobby made fun of me. He said that you don't know. You don't ever I made trust so much. Fun. He did. Yeah. He did. Um, and that's the thing is Bortles is going to Blake Bortles like that's what's going to happen. He's just going to do what he does. Um, but against the Browns, you can make the case for any quarterback. And that, that that does include Blake Bortles, who has thrown one or zero touchdowns in all but one game this year. Um, the only game that he actually threw more than one touchdown was in London. So maybe we need to fly him back there. But uh, the the Browns have allowed multiple passing touchdowns in 28 of their last 35 games. Like that's that's a joke. Um, Here's the big plus, by the way. Blake Bortles has a tight end on his roster, so he's probably going to get multiple touchdowns just from that. <laughs> Mercedes Lewis sleeper <laughs> of the week. All right. So Brandon, Brandon, let's talk about your sit of the week. Brandon, who you have for your sit of the week? Who are you not touching? Um, you know, there's always, as you know, uh, at least one player that fantasy Twitter is talking about that. I'm always like, hey, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> and I go, I don't understand why this is a thing. Um, and I'm going to do that quite a bit in this show, but I'm going to start with Derek Carr. I think he's going to get roasted by the Patriots in Mexico oh. city. 
I mean, I know he has 300 yards and back-to-back games, but New-, New England's defense is better. He'll have the game that Phillip Rivers probably had against them in Week 8, 212 yards, one touchdown, one interception. But I think it's fool's gold, man. He's just the kind of quarterback that Bill Belichick enjoys humiliating, especially on an international scale. No, I think this is bad. Bad, bad, bad. <laughs> I'm cool with that. We're on the same page oh, right now, God. Brandon. I've got Derek Carr four spots lower than ECR. No, I'm still starting him. He's my number 10 quarterback this week, but uh, I'd rather start Phillip Rivers against Buffalo than him. No, he's in my top five. Like, I'm arguing both of you guys in this one. There's like legitimately, I want to, I want to, I want to hear an no argument way. against this. Hold on. So, Derek Carr. The argument is the Patriots defense dominating, man. Hold on a second. The Patriots defense hasn't dominated. They've dominated time of possession as of late. Um, and not, not to say that they can't do that, but here's my argument against you guys is that uh, eight of the nine quarterbacks that have played against them have averaged at least 7.1 yards per attempt, with is it, which is a very healthy average for an NFL quarterback, knowing that they've allowed that in every game but one. Brock Osweiler, 6.7 last week. That's the only time. All right. So then you look at Dante Hightower. They lost him to IR. They lost Shane McClellan, who's a pass down specialist. They lost him the other week to IR. So when you look at the Osweiler, I mean, are we really going to sit here and think that their, their defense is good because he played Brock Osweiler well? I mean, no, I'm not going to do that. When you look at the attempts, there have been four quarterbacks against the Patriots who have thrown 45 or more attempts. That is massive. And the reason I say that is because Derek Carr was someone I didn't like very much in the preseason because he never passed the ball a lot. I mean, through the first five weeks of the season, for the first six weeks of the season, Derek Carr did not throw the ball more than 35 times. However, you go to the last three weeks, he's thrown the ball 49 times, 52 times. They are they are trusting him with the offense. Uh, Marshawn Lynch signing didn't hasn't really panned out like they expected. Uh, yeah. and that's the thing is they're not going to give Marshawn Lynch 20 carries in the game. That's just not going to happen. The last time that they played in Mexico City was last year. They played against a Houston Texans defense that was playing extremely well. Derek Carr only threw the ball 31 times, but he threw for 295 yards and three touchdowns. So playing in Mexico didn't really affect him negatively. That's something we should, we don't have to worry about. Again, this, this game has shootout written all over because you know, the Patriots are going to stack up points on the on, on the Raiders defense like that's going to happen. So just because the Patriots have played well against Brock Osweiler because they did OK against Philip Rivers and that was really a time of possession thing. I'm not buying it. I, I'm I am totally on board with Derek. Carr. Hold on. Hold on. No way. OK, because I'm sorry. I'm going to bring you back to Ben Roethlisberger kind of stats for Derek Carr because they're worse. The guy has scored over 20 fantasy points twice the entire season and only one time. Since week two, has he scored over 14 fantasy points? We're not talking about this guy has one good game in the last two months. And people are like, this is amazing. (laughs) I don't know how you can have over 300 freaking yards in a game and still score 12 or 13 fantasy points. I don't know how he does it, but it's amazing. It's amazing how he does that. And I think that's where we're going to go. Do I think he can get a bunch of yards? Oh, yeah. I think he's going to be, you know, slinging it all over the place. But do I think he's going to throw two interceptions yes I do and I think the problem is is that if you look at the actual fantasy points here he is not someone you can trust and against the Patriots again this is just to me this has Bill Belichick game plan that will humiliate him written all over it and all of fantasy Twitter thinks this guy's a top five top three guy I think man there are a lot of better options on this like on this slate and I I just do not like this at all. And I get it. I mean, last season, he was a better fantasy quarterback than he is this year by a long shot. Amari Cooper was better. Everybody on the team was better. 
I don't. I mean, it's just a joke. It's Derek a Carr joke was if really you look at up his and down. But Derek Carr was really Whoa. up and down last year too. People like seem to have missed that somehow. But if you look at his schedule this year, the teams that he's played, the teams he struggled against, like Denver. Baltimore, the Chargers, the Chiefs. Well, the Chiefs, actually, he lit them up. But then Buffalo. And then Miami, he played a crap game against. I'm not going to take anything away. It wasn't, I mean, he threw 300 yards, one touchdown. And I'm not going to say that Derek Carr, I'm not a huge Carr fan, but I'm saying that everything about this matchup screams fantasy points. Like, that's the thing. He could throw two interceptions. That's fine. I don't really, I don't, I don't care. That's, you that's, do that, if he only that, has one touchdown. Well, that's the thing. Do the that Patriots the have, thing. do the Patriots have the ingredients on their defense to stop him? My answer would be no. Stephon Gilmore has been a bust. Malcolm Butler could not cover Emmanuel Sanders last week. Like, they can't stop a tight end. There's so many things on this this Raiders offense that matches up well with the Patriots defense that that that's my my question. Bill Belichick can't do what he always does and say, I'm going to take away your number one option because you really don't know who it is on this Raiders team. Is it Crabtree? Is it Cooper? Everyone stinks. You're right. (laughs) Whatever way way he goes, I'm not arguing with Brandon on this, but whatever way he goes, it's going to be the wrong way. And that's what I'm saying. I actually think that in DFS, you could actually stack. Derek Carr, Amari Cooper, and Michael Crabtree in a lineup and expect results. I'm cool with that for uh, a GPP contest. Anyway, Tags, let's move on. Who's your bust of the week at quarterback? Brandon Marianne Lee. I'm kidding. Uh, My sit of the the week is Matthew Stafford. Um, People like the thing is, is Stafford has played really well lately and he looked like crap the first half of last week. Like, but we can all be honest about that. He didn't look very good. With that being said, he turned the game around. He ended up throwing three touchdowns, yada, yada. This is a divisional matchup. Like, I don't know if people kind of if they forget about how different divisional matchups are. These teams know each other extremely well. There was no coaching change that you need to worry about. The Bears defense has been playing better than they did last year. And here's Stafford's numbers last year against the Bears. 213 yards, no touchdowns, two picks. And then you go to week 14 when the Bears defense was dinged up. I think they lost three of their front seven. 223 yards, one touchdown, two picks. Matthew Stafford just doesn't play the Bears very well. For whatever reason, it just hasn't really panned out. So Matthew Stafford is my sit of the week. He's blazing, man. The dude is on fire. At least 17 points in each of his last five games. Tom Brady hasn't done that. Russell Wilson hasn't done that. Matthew Stafford's on fire, man. There's no way I'm benching him. Uh, I mean, I'm just saying I would rather start Derek Carr over Matthew Stafford. Like, all okay. day I long. Mean, I'd, ra- I'd bench him against Jacksonville. That's it. I'd play him against Denver. I'd play him against Minnesota. Anyone. I what, Does anybody here want to take a bet on Derek Carr versus Matthew Stafford this week? I don't know, man. I'm already going to have to do the combine. I don't really <laughs> want to add any more bets. <laughs> In jorts, too. In jorts. That's going to be fantastic. Brandon, you, 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 I don't know if you've heard that bet, but Bobby is going to have to reenact the combine in a pair of uh, jorts. Oh, I love jorts. Um, I mean, I would. <laughs> But I, I, um, I'm a little worried about Stafford too, so I kind of agree with that. So that's why I would, I'm, I'm pausing because I feel like they could both put up a solid 13 fantasy points. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> solid. Oh God, Brent and I agree. Stop the show. All right, uh, yeah. Bobby, Bobby, who do you have for your sit? I, uh, I know you guys thought that I would never do this again after getting burned so bad last week, but. I know what I'm benching Jared Goff again. Going to Minnesota is a lot different than playing a banged up Houston defense at home. So I'm betting against a wide open 94 yard pass against the Vikings this week. I love it. And I'm going to give away one of my bold predictions here just because I want to. Um, One of my bold predictions was that Jared Goff throws for less than 225 yards and just zero or one touchdown this week. So, yeah, I'm with I love it. Okay, before we move on over to the running back position, I want to pause to tell you all about the sponsor of today's show, SeatGeek. 
I told you last show about buying Grizzlies tickets to take my boys to an NBA game. I used to always spend a long time searching around the other sites to find a decent value. Now that I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it is by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets, I can be anywhere and with just a few taps, can instantly find the best value across multiple ticket sites. SeatGeek saves you time and money by grading the value of every seat across multiple sites. Plus, you can zoom in to see exactly where you're going to be sitting. That's exactly what I did when I was looking for my NBA tickets, and I'm thrilled with what SeatGeek was able to find for me. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code FANTASYPROS today. That's promo code FANTASYPROS, all one word, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Download the app today. All right, guys, moving on over to running back. Brandon, who's your start of the week? Uh, you know, I think I'm going to be a little boring here, but I'm going to go Latavius Murray. I just, uh, what's the problem there? You want to run against the Rams, even though they're the number one scoring offense, you know, in the National Football League right up there. So um, people still run because that's how you score touchdowns on them. That's just the way it goes. Uh, and since uh, the Vikings lost Dalvin Cook, Murray has averaged over 16 carries per game. And over the five-week span, he's also racked up 279 rushing yards, giving him about 60 rushing yards per contest on average. Average. He's cheap, uh, only 4000 on DraftKings. Uh, I know he's not a pass-catching guy, but I still think that's ridiculously low. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's a he's a value play and someone that I think if they get near the end zone, which how can you not when you have the beautiful Adam Thielen on your team? <laughs> I love you. Call me. Um, so, of course, they're going to get near the end zone, and I think they're going to punch it in with Murray. So I feel good about him. I dig the call. I, I'm I, cool I, with that. Not going to argue. Yeah, I definitely – I like Latavius Murray this week as well. The Rams have uh, – their offense has hit a lot of their problems uh, against, like especially against the run. They've already allowed nearly 1,000 yards on the ground this season. They've allowed seven rushing touchdowns to running backs. These are these are numbers that are bottom ten in the NFL. And knowing that they have like an offense that's leading the league in scoring, that's really rare. So it's just teams have been have not been able to stick with the run, I think, as much as they would like to against the Rams. But the Vikings have a defense that should hold them in check in Minnesota, which is one of the tougher places to play. So I definitely dig the Latavius Murray call. Tags, who's your guy, man? My start of the week. Uh, it's going to sound odd, but uh, I'm going to trust the Patriots running back Rex Burkhead. Um, you know, I it's really weird. And I, I don't I, <laughs> after me with Mike Gillisley, it's like I'm scarred for life. And the fact that I can never trust a Patriots running back again. However, it's really tough not to trust uh, Rex Burkhead. We, we've seen him get increased snap counts over the last few weeks, but the real sign that led me to wanting to play him is has to do with James White. James White, ever since week four, his snap counts have been 43, 35, 29, 23, 20, and then 11. Um, that's that's trending towards Mike Gillisley status of inactive. Like he he saved his fantasy day last week with a with a touchdown. But Rex Burkhead has been getting more and more touches. They're not using Deion Lewis in the receiving game for whatever reason. It seems like Chris Hogan is going to probably miss another week since he didn't practice at all last week. They've been staying in Denver this week, so he may not be getting his normal treatment that he would. Um, so there's just there's a lot of things that that kind of go on here, but it seems like Burkhead is in line for at least at least RB three numbers with a solid floor. I think that one's kind of boring, but yeah, I, I'd start him in my flex. I have no problem with that one either. Yeah, this is kind of a boring position. We're not debating or anything. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think I think there's a possibility that blows up. Oh, right, wait, I, I can give you guys another one if you want. I think that a start of the week. I think people could start Rod Smith. 
Yeah, especially in PPR. He's obviously the pass catching guy. And it's not like they're going to be able to run with Alfred Morris or anything. Correct. Alfred Morris is going to be a bust. He's actually my sit of the week. Yeah, mine too. Let's let's get onto that now, and then we'll bounce back to my start of the week. Yeah, Alfred Morris. Uh, if you guys don't know, the Eagles' run defense is like so legit. <laughs> um, they on the year, like I was talking about this earlier, and people said it's game script and this and that. It's not because you. I just talked about the Rams that have given up almost a thousand yards, uh, to opponents. Yep, exactly. So the Eagles have allowed three hundred and eighty-three yards rushing this year. Three hundred eighty-three. The, the next closest team, six hundred and forty-nine yards in the ground. Whoa, like, is that the this, Browns? No, it's the Vikings. The Browns are actually number okay. three at 681. So it was a, it was a close call. Um, but the, that this is ridiculous standards. Like they have, I've mentioned it on the show before. There's only one running back who has totaled more than 38 rushing yards against them, and that was Kareem Hunt, who needed a 53 yard run to get that done. Alfred Morris is having trouble. Obviously, Tyron Smith. If Tyron Smith is out. This Cowboys offense is going to have trouble against this Eagles front seven. Like, let's just be clear about that. Um, but Alfred Morris, in a game where the Eagles are going to score points, the, the Cowboys are going to be forced to go into a throw mode. Alfred Morris has bricks for hands. Like, it wouldn't shock me if he scores five standard fantasy points this week and Rod Smith outscores him and takes the job in the process. So, uh, Alfred Morris. Well, hold on. Al- Alfred Morris was pretty good last week. He almost rushed for five yards per carry. He, he did not look bad. And he's really funny. But again, <laughs> but again, this is a team that the defense is not going to put him in a position. And now this defense that was already bad, by the way, is lost. They've lost Sean Lee for multiple weeks. Sean Lee is like oh, the glue yeah. that holds any bit of that defense together. And it's going to completely fall apart. Therefore, this is going to be a Cowboys team who's in comeback mode, which means Alfred Morris is pulled out of the game. So, I mean, while he was his yards per carry, that could be like. It can be very uh, deceiving when he only have 11 carries in a game. Uh, a lot of it came on one run, but that's what I'm, but that's the thing. I'm not saying Alfred Morris is a bad runner per se. I'm just saying that he doesn't fit what this Cowboys offense needs him to do, uh, which is why he's just he's literally just a guy that. I mean, if you want five points in your lineup, I guess put yeah. Morris in there. But it's, I'd rather I'd rather play someone like Burkhead or Rod Smith because I know the upside that they present. I'm cool with that, especially in PPR. Like I said. Alfred Morris is my sit of the week. Uh, Brandon, how do you feel about Morris and who's your sit of the week? Yeah, you know, I mean, I I feel almost nothing about Alfred Morris. So I think that probably says it all. Uh, (laughs) Just no feelings at all. Um, You know, I I think that uh, Rod Smith, though, is definitely the guy with that PPR upside. I would rather not have either. And I'm in a situation where I have Ezekiel Elliott in a lot of leagues. And I actually got rid of or I didn't have, and then I also got rid of different um, handcuffs. And I, I picked up Murray. Um, I picked up uh, – oh, gosh, who else did I pick up? But I, I, I'm going other places. You know, <laughs> I just don't feel like this is a thing. So uh, especially with the uh, offensive line issues that they're having. For me, my bust of the week is going to be um, the tragic story known as Joe Mixon. Yeah. Um, I mean, you guys, I so I've, I've <laughs> sort of developed a reputation as a Joe Mixon hater, and I'm really not, and I explained that on this last show. Uh, but I do want to say that actually on the last show I said the exact same thing and has be, um, become the reality of the world in which we live. He's yet to rush over 62 yards this season. Uh, there was only one game wherein he put up over 39 receiving yards, two touchdowns all year, both on the ground. And I know that the Pats and the Eagles ran all over the Broncos, but before that, only a surprise Orleans Darkwa was able to rush for over 54 yards on them. And considering Joe Mixon hasn't gone over 62 all season, I just don't see that happening. I think they bounce back versus this bad offensive line, which is the reason I've never been a Joe Mixon person. Um, I think they're going to try to tear up the Bengals and try to get back 
back, at least on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know how you get back on offense on that team, but that's a whole other story. Um, they allowed zero rushing touchdowns until week nine. Okay. That, and so I, I just don't think that's going to happen this week. Mixon continues to be overranked, whatever, fine. Um, but yeah, I just think that that this week I'm definitely uh, looking elsewhere if I can. I've got Joe Mixon number 26. Uh, his ECR is number 19. So I almost said Joe Mixon, but I ended up going with Alfred Morris. I'm totally cool with that. You know, I was a Joe Mixon lover in the in the uh, preseason, and I'm so mad at Marvin Lewis, but I've started to come around because, see, this is what's going to happen. Everyone's going to think, oh, man, Joe Mixon is just a bomb. He's no good. I'm going to get him in the fifth round next year. And when they have a new coach, they fix their offensive line, he's going to go off and be an easy RB1. So now I'm pretty pumped about it. Yeah, no, Joe Mixon, he's a great talent. Like, I don't, that's the thing is, I don't think even Brandon's saying that he's not. And that's why I agree that he's going to be, he's like a buy low in Dynasty right now if you can get him. He has like Le'Veon yeah. Bell type skills in terms of his elusiveness. Agree. But he just doesn't, he doesn't play behind an offensive line that allows him to do a lot of those things. And it's, it's something similar that we saw with. Jarek McKinnon last year where the the Vikings offensive line did not suit his skill set. Jarek McKinnon somewhat of a dancer and he had to learn kind of like to run differently. Like it's something that I watched to happen over the course of last year where Jarek McKinnon started to figure out I can't dance behind this offensive line and he started getting downhill and he's become a better player because of it. And now that the Vikings offensive line has gotten better, you've seen him get better. And I think the same thing can happen with a with a Joe Mixon. Once they get a better offensive line, he has to learn to get downhill. Amir Abdullah is stuck in that same conversation where he's stuck dancing a little too much uh so i do like Mixon, but i think that's a great call denver's defense outside of just one week i mean the the, the stat that i did find though brandon i will say is that I, I find it a little alarming is that if the broncos have gone full on like new york giants which i don't think they have i don't i want to be clear about that but they have allowed five of their 10 biggest ppr games to running backs in the last two weeks um, to, uh, oh, yeah, to obviously the Eagles weeks. and the and the Patriots. So, but those are two of the best offenses in the league. Right, Do you yeah. think Cincinnati is even close? No, I don't. And that's the thing. That's why yeah. I, I like the <laughs> I like the call. But I'm just yeah. saying, if if for whatever reason the Broncos have gone full Giants, that's the only hope that I think you could have for Mixon this week. So here's my only problem with Joe Mixon being quote unquote elusive. You know, his elusive rating is one of the lowest on Pro Football Focus in the entire National Football League. In fact, on his pass plays, he's only forced two missed tackles this entire season he's not that elusive at least not in the nfl when you watch his game tape from college he's incredible but we have to at some point and i think week 11 might be it stop looking at the college tape and look at his pro tape and it's just not as good and he sits there and and the, again his greatest attribute is his patience but he has a terrible offensive line so there's nothing to wait for man there will be no hole well, it, you have to run so, no, that's a, go well, that's thing. what are you doing that's the thing. i think elusiveness is, a, is something that i use differently than than say pff does because like elusiveness to me is is like a wiggle uh, ability to shake a defender not necessarily break a tackle where he's not a tackle breaker he's not a he's not a put his head down and and bust through a tackle you know uh like maybe a kareem hunt he's more of like a I'm going to juke you and I'm going to go around you type of runner. So I, I think that's the elusiveness. And that's the thing. The, the offensive line in Cincy just doesn't allow that to come out. So that's why I think he's a yeah. high low. But yeah. But do you also think that doesn't work well in the NFL? Because I actually don't. I think you have to force missed tackles. And this is the problem. He has 12 total missed tackles on 128 touches. I don't think that's Le'Veon like one Bell game is for the most. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like, yeah. let's think Rob Kelly is known as an elusive running back. And I consider him to be very, very bad at football. So it, I, 
I, Le'Veon Bell is 35 missed t- tackles. That's the thing is Le'Veon Bell is not a tackle breaker though. He's, I mean, he can do it. He can stiff arm and all that, but he's more of an elusive guy where he's just like a hard guy to get your hands on. Uh, and I think Mixon's a similar style runner. And I mean, that's the thing after year one in Le'Veon Bell's career, if you guys remember Le'Veon Bell, I think averaged 3.4, 3.5 yards per carry his first season. And a lot of people kind of just thought he was a very boring running back and he lost a lot of weight going into his sophomore year. And ever since then, he's been this elusive running back and people look at him differently. I just think that we could see a different thing. That's what he has to do. That's what Mixon has to do. You guys, I don't know if you guys remember this, but Mixon came into camp heavy and Marvin Lewis was ticked. I don't think he's even back in full shape yet. And I think that big 65-yard run, we saw that because he got caught. So he's actually not as fast as we thought he was either. So I think the problem is, genuinely, today, his skill set is not the same as college. He has to work over the offseason to get there. And they're going to have to make improvements on that offensive line. But it is partially him. I'm not saying he has no talent and there's no hope. But I do think we have to acknowledge that there have been some changes. And maybe it's because he's on a team that's losing. Maybe he feels defeatist. Maybe I don't know. I mean, I, I I don't, you know, I'm not on the team. I have no opinion about all those things. But I will say that something is not right. And we just have to acknowledge the reality of today. And then, yeah, next season, I'm not saying that next season I'm ranking him low, but I am saying if they don't, if he doesn't cut weight and if they don't improve that offensive line, I can't rank him high. I think That's Marvin fair. Lewis and the entire in the entire front office needs to go. I think that's the problem. Yeah. I think this team doesn't know what they did. I think drafting John Ross was a big mistake and not because Ross was a, a bad player because I think Ross still has a good future in the NFL. Uh, but this team is in shambles. They don't know what they're doing. Um, that's my issue with them. But I, I do think, I think Bobby's right though. I think that they do uh, change a lot of these things this off season. I think we could look forward to Mixon coming back in a bigger and better way. And you're right. Everybody has to work hard to stay atop the level. Like Le'Veon Bell has a lot, a lot of work ethic. And like, that's, that's, you know, we've, seen that happen but he also happens to have an offensive line that allows him to do that so so i've been saving my start of the week because two weeks ago i picked isaiah crowell last week i went ahead with latavius murray both of them had big weeks so Mm -hmm. um i'm pretty pumped about this segment of it derrick henry is my start of the week at running back pittsburgh's not the easiest team to run on but they're much tougher against the pass and with a banged up Mariota, i'm banking on the titans running quite a bit this week Adding the fact that Murray's old and on short rest, and I'll bet that 60-40 split flips to a 40-60 split this week, I think Henry's a top 10, maybe top five most talented running back in football. And if you're giving me a dozen carries with him, I'll start Henry any week. Yeah, I'm not buying the whole DeMarco Murray like resurgence after their bye week. And like he scored three touchdowns. Yeah, but it just that's the way like the cookie crumbled, right? It's like Corey Clement scored three touchdowns the other week. Is he all of a sudden a superstar? Mike Gillisley scored three touchdowns in week one. Like it's just the way the things that's the way the things (laughs) fell, right? Like we had like things fell into place for him last week. His his production on a per touch basis is still awful. So, yeah, no, I mean. I, I, I like Derrick Henry. I think this is a week where game script doesn't really fit his role. Uh, he's, he doesn't do anything in the passing game. So unless the, the Titans get up early, I don't see it happening. Um, so again, their pass defense, Pittsburgh's pass defense is going to be worse. They've, they've shown signs of getting worse and they just lost uh, Joe Hayden for multiple weeks. So um, I would expect them to show some signs of fatigue uh, in the passing game this week. 
Okay, moving on over to wide receiver tag. We'll let you go first here. All right. So I just have two that I wanted to, to say. I wanted to say Jeremy Macklin against Green Bay. Uh, Demarius Randall has been forced to move into the slot uh, to cover the slot. And ever since he's moved there, he's seen, uh, I want to say it's 13 targets. And on those 13 targets, he's allowed uh, seven catches for over 100 yards and a touchdown. He's just going to the slot is an entirely different position. You don't have the sideline to work with you. He's kind of done it out of necessity. Macklin's been good when healthy. The bye week should have helped get there a little bit. And my other one is Jamison Crowder. Um, I know there's going to be a lot of people out there worried about starting Jamison Crowder this week, but uh, against New Orleans, if there's one position, if there's one spot where they do have a weakness, it's the it's the slot position. Kenny Vaccaro used to play safety. He's a converted safety that they've moved down to cover the slot and they cut Sterling Moore, their former slot cornerback. So um, there is a weakness there. We've seen Jamison Crowder get plenty of targets over the last couple weeks. And last week, his game could have been so much bigger had Kirk Cousins. So. Basically, there was a, a linebacker matched up with Jamison Crowder off the line of scrimmage. Crowder beat him off the line. Obviously, it was going to happen. And you've seen this guy just struggling. Like there, there was nobody within five yards of Crowder. Cousins threw the ball towards the sideline. Crowder caught it. But the way that the ball was thrown, it, his momentum carried him out of bounds. It could have been easily a 50-yard, uh, like I think it was like a 50-yard touchdown. Um, but he was just carried out of bounds. So it turned out to like a 30-yard gain instead of like the big game it should have been. Uh, but Jamison Crowder has shown recently he's been getting healthy. He's been getting the targets. Jordan Reed, even if he's back, um, he may not be 100%. Obviously, the Saints have excelled covering number one receiver. So Josh Doxson is probably in for a bad week. So I, do, I, I like I like Jamison Crowder quite a bit. I'm cool with both those picks. What do you think about them, Brandon? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's so hard to block out Jamison Crowder's beginning mm-hmm, of the yeah. season. Um, it's really, really difficult for me to get over that. And I know that I need to, and I will try to be an adult <laughs> about it. But um, yeah, you know, I think that's my fear. I think my fear also is, I just, I think the Saints at home is just kind of ugly. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But I mean, listen, if you're, if we're talking about flyers, so yeah, you know, you could do a lot worse than a guy that's getting a million targets a game. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about either Jamison Crowder or starting someone like Nelson Aguilar, no thank you. Josh Doxson, who again is going to be covered by Lattimore. Uh, Dontrell Inman, who look, I know you like him tags, but um, Dontrell Inman has not done anything his entire career until last week. Right. Yeah. And the, well, I mean, actually, he was really good over the second half. He's of last my year. pick of the week, baby. Oh, he was, he was oh, man. Really, okay, actually, let's hear it. So, Bobby, he was really good. So I want to I want to I'm going to stand up for Dontrell Inman because I want to say it was from week six on last year. He was like a top 24 receiver in terms of yards like he was getting it done. He wasn't scoring at a high clip, yep. but Dontrell Inman was really good when he was given the opportunity. And honestly, he's the only wide receiver that's out there in two wide receiver sets. They lost Zach Miller. I, I like Dontrell Inman. Now, granted, he's probably going to see a lot of Darius Slay uh, in this matchup, which is a little concerning, but um, I, I do believe he's going to see plenty of targets. Okay, well, let's let's forget I said Dontrell Inman. <laughs> I mean, we're looking at guys like Cooper Cup or Paul Richardson or Kelvin Benjamin. I don't want to start, you know, I'd rather start Jameson Crowder than any of those guys. Yeah, no, definitely. Jameson Crowder's fun. Um, Brand- Brandon, who do you, uh, who's your start of the week? Was it Inman? It is Dontrell Inman, yeah, but uh, I love Richardson once he's healthy, man. This whole Tyler Lockett thing is bizarre, but whatever. I'll talk <laughs> about that another time. Um, Dontrell Inman, I mean, it, you know, I mean, just, you know, the, Richardson outscores him every single game except for three this entire season and PPR and one and standard. But other than that, you know, fine. I guess he's somehow not good enough. Uh, Dontrell Inman, though. Uh, yeah, he's one of my favorite pickups of the week. I actually picked him up in almost every single league. Uh, if you play Yahoo, he's only 7% owned still, you guys. You guys have an opportunity to pick up a guy who's the starting wide receiver mm-hmm. for a team in the National Football League in week 11, and he's only 7% owned. Go do this. I don't understand. Last week, his first game, 
as a bear. Okay, they traded for him for a reason, everybody. I promise you. He caught six of his eight targets for 88 yards. They have some nice pass-friendly matchups coming up, not just this week versus Detroit. They will have to throw, you guys. And Trubisky put up a season-high 35 pass yeah. attempts last week. They know they need to change it up a little bit. Then they're at Philadelphia. Uh, that offense scores some points, so they're going to have to throw there. Then they're home versus San Francisco. Mm-hmm. you got to like that. So that's three games of fantasy starter potential just right in a row. Then they're at San then at Detroit, then Cleveland at Minnesota. It's a little dicier then. But for me, uh, wow, I-, I can't believe we have this opportunity in week 11. Go do yeah. it. Yeah, you sold me. That's a, that's a great point. Yeah, Brandon were to listen to our waiver wire show. She'd be proud of me. Her and I are, are in sync on Dontrell Inman. I think he's a fine addition. Yeah, plus all the game scripts going on there. It sounds good to me. Um, okay, here's my start of the week. Look, I promise I'm not saying this for effect or to be edgy. I sincerely think that if anyone needs a wide receiver this week, they should just go play Keelan Cole. Alan Hearns is going to miss the game against the Browns, and Cole is the most talented receiver in Jacksonville now that Allen Robinson's hurt. Give the man five or more targets against the Browns, and I am willing to bet he's going to be start worthy. Wait a minute. You say he's more talented than Marquise Lee? Oh, yeah, man. You wa- Have you watched Jaguars oh, games? No. Keelan Cole faster. is a great athlete. He's faster, but athlete doesn't necessarily translate to talent. Marquise Lee's still the best Did you see that incredible receiver. catch he made the other week, too? Keelan Cole is a playmaker, man. Hold on. I'm not disagreeing with you that he's actually a fine play. I think he could. he's a plug-and-play. Like, if you're, if you're like, in bi- say, the, I mean, I don't know how you'd have wide receivers on bye weeks this week, but, but let's pretend that you need, a, you need a wide receiver to, to plug into your lineup. I think you could definitely do worse than Keelan Cole. But to say that he's better than Marquise Lee is, is a stretch. I'm saying he's more talented than Marquise Lee. I'm not saying he's going to be better this week. I mean, they're going to keep throwing the ball to Marquise Lee, but Keelan Cole's going to get five plus targets, man. If he takes one to the house, you're going to be Eden Crow. Keelan Cole is a big play machine. People forget that Marquise Lee was drafted before Allen Robinson on this team. He was a second round pick drafted before Allen Robinson. So his talent has always been there. It's just he's never been able to stay healthy. So I, I still stand by that Marquise Lee is definitely the most okay. talented. But Keelan Cole is a decent play this week. I think we can compromise there. Okay, that's fair, man. Brandon, what's your take on that? I believe in compromise. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I have very little, but you're going to hear my dud next. So then, then I'll talk about the Cool, Jags. let's do your uh, your dud. Wait, is your dud on the Jags? Yes, it is. Hmm. Is it Marquise Lee? <laughs> I just want to say, because I want to discuss this real quick, because again, fantasy Twitter, I got to stop y'all. Dee Dee Westbrook oh, yeah, is such great a call. garbage yes. pickup and call. Get out of here. Stop it. You guys, he barely even got to talk to Blake Bortles during the preseason, let alone work with him. Then he's going to start his first game in the NFL, maybe in week 11. I know he's it's not against starting. The he's going to get like 20 snaps. That's true, too. I mean, the whole thing, I'm telling you, fantasy Twitter has decided that Dee Dee Westbrook is the next coming for your fantasy football teams, and they're highly confused. A, the Jags got away from the run last week and they almost lost the game. It was disastrous. They're going to go right back to that beautiful little Leonard Leonard Fournette basket because that's where they belong. Okay. And then they got Marquise Lee. They, I know Alan Hearns is hurt. Okay. All these guys are here. Guys, trust me. There's just not enough usage for Didi Westbrook to be someone that you plug in blind. We have no idea what this guy (laughs) looks like in the NFL yet. In week 11, Evan, you're going into your playoffs, you guys. What are you doing with Dee Dee Westbrook? And why do you keep asking me these questions on Twitter? <laughs> why? I'm fine with Dee Dee Westbrook being picked up as a stash just in case he goes off and is worth 60 fab. 
But starting him this week is just absurd. I have him ranked as the number 72 wide receiver this week. Ugh. Yeah, and I think that's generous. I mean, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if a guy gets one target and doesn't catch it. I mean, this is a this has a Mike Williams situation written all over it. No, thank you. No, they're on the road. I just, no. I, no. I disagree, though. I don't think they're going to go right back to Leonard Fournette. Cleveland shuts down the run. I think they're going to have to throw the ball 30-plus times with, uh, with Blake Bortles. I just think Keelan Cole's the guy and D.D. Westbrook's not. I just, yeah, I think, I, well, I would rather have him for sure. Yes, agreed. Because the guy's played in an NFL game. I mean, is that weird? Am I weird? A little bit, but not because of this take. <laughs> I mean, come on, you guys. This is this is absurd. And please don't put your fantasy future in this guy's hands. And yes, okay, maybe he'll go off and somehow get three touchdowns, which no one has done for the Jacksonville Jaguars this entire year in the air. But let's say that he does that. That still doesn't make the call all right, you guys, in week 11. Come on. <laughs> Tags? <laughs> I, um, I, I mentioned I like Keelan Cole um, this week. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. Do you want me to mention my sit of the week yeah uh the sit of the week is i mean i have two i, I try to get two of everyone but um is uh ted ginn and kelvin benjamin uh kelvin benjamin i, I do want to mention that kelvin benjamin does get an uptick in my rankings going to nathan peterman because really? it, it's not because i don't like tyrod taylor yeah I, i'm saying this because tyrod taylor and the kelvin benjamin marriage was never going to work uh kelvin benjamin fails to create any sort of separation he's always basically trying to rely on high pointing the ball he's relying on jump balls 50 50 balls like this is what kelvin benjamin has done so when they made a trade for him it really was a question in my mind is like why were they doing this like knowing who this guy is and that the fact that tyrod taylor doesn't take risks he will not throw into tight coverage it's just a, a thing he doesn't do so nathan peterman is more of like the, the pocket passer who will throw it up to his number one wide receiver this this team in general is just it's going down a tube and um but peterman benjamin got an upgrade because of him but at the same time this week against the chargers i'm not trusting kelvin benjamin casey hayward uh has been shadowing in clear-cut number one situations and i think this is pretty clear-cut that kelvin benjamin's their number one receiver so uh knowing that casey hayward's a little banged up for what it's worth he is but i mean kelvin benjamin looks like he's banged up even when he runs at full strength so um you're right yeah yeah i'm i'm benching benjamin too i'm with you but that and ted ginn is someone that i'm not trusting because like if you look at washington They've only allowed, oddly enough, they've only allowed six wide receivers to finish top 36 in any week this season. Um, and we're two or last. Yeah, week. well, that's the thing. So looking at it, slot receivers have been the ones to do the damage against them. Um, so it, it's something they've really struggled with in the slot. And when you look, if you're like expecting a perimeter wide receiver to kind of make their way into that, it's definitely Michael Thomas, who's been seeing tons of targets. Uh, I just Ted Ginn again, he's just not someone that excites me this week. Uh, Willie Sneed is starting to see more and more snaps. So if he actually gets targeted this week, Willie Sneed is like someone deep down. Like if you're if you're thinking about playing D.D. Westbrook, play Willie Sneed instead. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Uh, I'm benching yeah. Kelvin Benjamin as well. I hate to say it, but Sammy Watkins just going to cry myself to sleep going against Minnesota. He's going to get himself one or two targets. And uh, I doubt it's for a 40 yard touchdown reception like it's been the last two weeks. <laughs> um, but my sit of the week is Jordy Nelson. I can't believe I'm saying this. Eight receptions for 68 yards and no touchdowns. That's not one mediocre game for Jordy Nelson. That's his stat line over the last three games combined with Brett Hundley. They play the Ravens this weekend, too, so just say no. It's not great. It's not great. Mm-hmm. Jordy Nelson, yeah. They, um, he relied on timing with Aaron Rodgers so much more than Devontae Adams did. They had a relationship, a connection, and uh, he doesn't have that with Hundley, and Hundley doesn't have the touch to throw the ball to wide receivers. Um yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. In general, in general, <laughs> not even just Jordy Nelson. Like that's the thing. Everybody wants to talk about that pass that he hit uh, Devonte Adams with, and like, oh, it was such a back shoulder catch. 
I, I raved about it on our last podcast, but on that ball, Devontae Adams made an adjustment on the ball in air and Devontae Adams made that catch. It wasn't just like, it wasn't like a great throw that nobody else in the league can do. Brett Hundley is still Brett Hundley. Like he's still not very good at football. But I thought that Aaron Rodgers didn't have any talent around him. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Aaron Rodgers is the goat still. Oh yeah, no, I agree with that. But yeah. it's not like these guys are, you know, chicken soup or something. Yeah. Yep. Weird. Yep, I'm with you. Okay, let's move on over to tight end. I really have nothing interesting to say about tight end this week. I mean, <laughs> if you're desperate, use Mercedes Lewis against the Browns because, well, He's a tight end playing the Browns, um, but there's no one that I think is going to bust. I guess I'm not especially excited about Jason Witten, but are you going to play him anyway? Witten's on my sit of the week. Uh, he's him and Charles Clay are my sits. Um, Jason Witten might yeah, be. good ones. It was weird. I think the reason he was targeted a lot more last week is because obviously Des Bryant and uh, Terrence Williams may not have been 100% with their ankle injuries. Uh, they did play a decent amount of snaps, but oddly enough, Jason Witten ran the second most pass routes he had all season when he probably could have been kept in the block being that, you know, Tyron Smith was out. Maybe that would have been a better idea. So that Dak Prescott didn't get killed. Maybe they learned something. Who knows? Philadelphia has been really good against tight ends. But uh, my start of the week. Yeah. Uh, um, again, I got two of them. Uh, Tyler Croft. Phenomenal play uh, against Denver. Denver, if there's one weakness they have, it's against tight ends, even when they're at right. full strength, when they're playing well. And uh, Jared Cook, I think, is a, is a decent play against New England, who has struggled a bit with tight ends. And Jared Cook, believe it or not, there are just two tight ends in all of football who have multiple 100-yard games. It's Jared Cook and, and Travis Kelsey. Yeah, Jared Cook's a must-start for me, for sure. What about you, Brandon? Who do you have for your start and sit of the week at tight end? My must-start was Tyler Croft as well. You guys, I feel like I scream this every week to my listeners, and it is Tyler Eifert isn't coming back. <laughs> I don't know how this guy isn't 100% owned. I don't know what you guys are waiting for. He has four or more targets in every single game since week three. I know he stunk it up against the Titans last week, but I'm back in. Denver is terrible against tight ends. They are only second to the New York Giants in how bad they are against tight ends, you guys. It's not that that's, they're kind of weak. They're horrible. Since their week five, by a tight end has scored a touchdown every single week against them except for one and that was against the Chargers and Hunter Henry still had 73 yards and four catches yeah. so guys must start no problem my bench is uh the buzzy I don't know Jekyll and Hyde weird guy Martellus Bennett um <laughs> I'm a I, I don't understand how Bennett and the Packers is tragic but Bennett on the Patriots is just catching passes no big deal even though he supposedly needed to be on IR I don't understand what happened here I'm still confused none of it makes sense and by the way I don't care to learn more so I won't yeah yeah I'm uh there's no way I would roster Martellus Bennett, let alone start him. Yeah. Thank Martellus you. Bennett, I, I'm so fed up with that guy in general. Like I, I don't want to play him on, on a basis of just like setting a point. Like I'm he forced his way. I I, I don't want to talk about it. I'm just gonna go on a rant. But yeah, don't play Martellus Bennett. Okay, guys, let's move on to bold predictions. Who has the boldest prediction? Let's save that one for last. Probably not me. I don't think mine is that bold, but I do. Yeah, I do mine's kind of boring this week. I do stand by it, though, and I do think it's going to come true. Um, and mine is, is that Mike Evans goes off for 130 yards and two touchdowns this week. Wow. Why? Because Miami's bad at football. Brandon, I think the last time I had you on, we were talking about that and how Miami was bad then. They're even worse now. Uh, Brandon yeah. was Brandon was saying then she's like, I think they might yep. be the worst team in football. And that was back. They might make the playoffs, man. They're in the playoff race right now. But they're not a playoff team like the Bills are yeah. in the playoffs yeah. right now, too. But they're not a playoff yeah. team. <laughs> um, but yeah, I Mike Evans, this 
it, it all goes too well. Like, I'm going to own too much Mike Evans in DFS. I already know that. Yowza. Well, I already told you guys that one of my bold predictions is that Tyra Taylor is going to be the highest scoring quarterback for the Bills in week 11. I just think this is such a bizarro decision that, it, you know, it was like one of those things. We've all been there where it, like something escapes your mouth and you immediately <laughs> want to eat it back up. I think that's what happened here. So, um, I, Sean McDermott, you're doing a great job other than this. But this is this. You've gone one step too far here, my friend. Like, I support you. But this is. This is insane. Um, I do think that Todd Gurley is going to be the number one uh, running back of the week, even though he's playing at Minnesota. And I know that that is surprising for a lot of people, but I do think yeah. that he'll be very involved with the passing game. And I do want to say for a season long, Evan Engram has 40 catches for 443 yards and five touchdowns so far this season. He's currently on pace for 787.6 yards, 8.9 touchdowns this season, but the bulk of his work has come in the back half. Now, I was someone who actually was down on Evan Engram going into the preseason, but he impressed me so much in the preseason that I think he went up over 10 spots in my rankings from the beginning of preseason to the end. And uh, I had him in my top 12 at the end, and I was wrong. He's even higher than that. I believe he's going to be the first rookie since Mike Ditka in 1961 to go over 900 receiving yards in his rookie season. I think he may even go over 1,000. Over the last 15 years, the highest amount of yardage was 627 yards by John Carlson in a rookie season. Now, he'd have to score 10 touchdowns to tie Rob Gronkowski, 12 to tie Ditka. So I'm not quite sure about that, but I do think he will hit that yardage total. Those are great stats. That's amazing that you had him in your top 12. I would have laughed so hard at you if you told me that during the preseason. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think I had him like at 12 um, because I, I just I thought he was the only decent player on the Giants at the end of the preseason. And I I don't think I'm wrong still like that. I was like, there's no one on this team that I want on my fantasy team except for Evan Engram. And I need to respect that. Like literally no one. Yeah. And well, I mean, the thing is, obviously, the injuries to Odell Beckham and, and Brandon Marshall have increased his red zone usage. But uh, regardless, he's he's been a f- fantastic addition on a on a very, 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 very bad football team. Sterling Shepard also kind of overcoming that stuff and showing us that yeah, that the, yeah. the Giants should have never went out and got Brandon Marshall to begin with. It was it was a signing that I disagreed with when they did it. But Evan Ingram, he continues to surprise. And like, that's the thing is when you're going through every single week talking about your rankings or a matchup or things like that, it's difficult to to mention Evan Ingram in a regular tight end conversation because he's so much he's more like a wide receiver the way that they use him and the way that he moves because tight ends just don't move the way that Evan Ingram does like he he's very shifty Uh, I know he's not a great blocker but for what they're asking him to do he's doing a great job all right guys here's my bold prediction and because I'm going last I'm going to make it a little more bold I'm going to say the Bills aren't even going to score a touchdown this weekend the Chargers focused on the run last week against Jacksonville and completely stopped Leonard Fournette. In fact, they just took him out of the game. They just decided, I'm not going to throw, I'm not going to run with Leonard Fournette at all. We're going to pass every single play with Blake Bortles. So they had TJ Yeldon in there. LaShawn McCoy has no hope because you can bet Los Angeles is going to do the same thing against him with Nathan Peterman at quarterback. I'm taking the over on 2.5 forced turnovers too with Ingram and Bosa forcing pressure. So I love the Chargers defense this week. I think they're, I'm ranking them as a top five unit. I'm predicting that they will be the top defensive special team unit in in football this week. Well, dig it. I like it. It's bold, but it actually is completely believable. It's kind of like ours marry (laughs) each other, though, that that Tyrod Taylor is going to be the highest scoring quarterback and that they're not even going to score a touchdown. (laughs) I think both those things can be true. Yeah. yeah, I'm cool with that. All right, guys. Well, that's all for today's show. Brandon, we really appreciate you joining us. It was a blast. Thank you so much. It's our pleasure. 
And for those of you listening at home, we do have one more show coming up this week. We're going to have a DFS show, so make sure to tune in for that. Subscribe and review us on iTunes if you haven't already. really helps us out. And thanks to the sponsor of today's show, SeatGeek. Download their app and enter the promo code FANTASYPROS, all one word, for $20 off your first ticket order. For Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening, and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.